And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with Greg Braden and your calls this hour. Greg, what are you working on these days? You know, George, I've just finished a really, um, a really very full tour schedule, and I'm taking the first uh, three or four months off next year. I'm a, a geologist working as consultant on an archaeological site that has uncovered uh, a, a series of archaeological remnants with a script that has never been translated. And so we're going to take some time and use some uh, AI and see if we can understand what this script is telling us. Might it be earth-shattering? You know, George, one of the things that we're, we're finding, I mean, these are thousands of artifacts, and many of them depict our solar system in a way that is more accurate than we saw up until the 20th century. I mean, we're looking at it rings around Neptune and rings around Jupiter, uh, moons around planets that we didn't know had those moons until the 20th century. And interestingly, uh, the solar system is depicted as if you were coming inbound from outer space rather than leaving Earth going toward outer space. So... Uh, we'll keep you posted and hopefully have some updates on that uh, sometime in the spring. That's intriguing to be sure, Greg. Now back to divinity before we take some uh, calls. Sure. Are we born with this ability? You know, George, we have it. You cannot be separated from it. You can be, we all have the ability to deny our own divinity through free will. Totally. We, we can just say we don't have it. We can have it conditioned out of us by our family and by society and by education. We can be told enough times that we are powerless victims of a world around us that we begin to believe that. Uh, And the third way that we can have it veiled is what we talked about earlier, technology. When we embrace technology, external technology, we put it into our bodies to replace our own biological functions we sever that connection between the the cells and the DNA and the field where that information appears to live. So those are the three ways that we can have our our divinity veiled from us, but we always have it, and we cannot be separated from it. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's start with Brian in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hello, Brian. Go ahead. Hey, George. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. I did. I did. If I gained 15 pounds, I got to go to my yearly physical coming up in about a week. You ate the entire turkey. (laughs) I know. I picked a bad time to have to go to my yearly physical. Hey, Greg, how are you this morning? Brian, I'm well. I'm happy to hear hear your voice, and I'm happy to hear you had a good Thanksgiving. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, listen, I got to, I got to, I don't have a question, but I got kind of a theory. And I hope I, I try. I hope I explain it right without sounding like an idiot. Uh, okay, here we go. You're talking about the the end of this cycle that's, that's coming up, that that's going on right now. Sure. And, and the bad actors, the bad actors in the world, i.e., China, Russia, you know, Iran, is stepping up now. And at the election of Donald Trump, uh, that four years, these countries of these bad actors lost that time to try to turn the world to the way they've got they want it to go they're really stepping up now even more so with with the administration that we have here right now so and and with that 
they're, you know, we're sending uh, military munitions to Ukraine, blah, blah, blah. We're sending money to Iran for no, for no good reason. The AI, you were talking about AI and young people on their computers all the time. That there is going to be the weak, the weak link in all of this. Now, I think that they're, they're stepping up their uh, mission now, I guess, because they want to do it before the next election next year. And I believe that coming up here soon, everything is going to just uh, just come to a boiling point. Now, what happens, I have no idea. So what do you kind of think about all of that? And I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you guys, and I love the Coast family. Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate your, your insights. You know, the uh, they're in some ways America and the European Union think very similar, and in a lot of ways, we are very, very different. Uh, and what you're seeing, in, in many respects, Europe has already has already given in to the uh, the policies that are being written by the UN and uh, and the World Economic Forum. You're seeing them pressure America to get with the program. They want America to come into line with the policies that are already being embraced uh, throughout much of, of Europe, the European Union, and, and certainly throughout Asia. So you are, are seeing – the thing is, America is not wired for these kinds of policies. We don't think that way. Our governance is not set up that way. And uh, we're, you know, essentially 50 little countries here. And a lot of, a lot of people don't understand that. They think that the, the federal government just makes a rule and everybody follows that rule. But we've, the way our, our constitution and the way our country is set up, we're not wired to fall in line with those policies. And what, what's happening right now is there's a really slick marketing campaign. Now I gotta tell, I know it's happening and I'm still impressed. This is really sexy marketing making many of those policies from the sustainable development goals and you know, we've all heard from the World Economic Forum, you will own nothing and be happy. That's the, the great reset. Well, there are resets within resets, uh, and the thinking is America is behind. America is behind on the, on the climate goals. America is behind on the, uh, you know, the goals for the smart grids and, you know, agriculture and, and all of those things. So you're, you're seeing this play out in real time. And uh, I don't know where it's going to go. I know that as more people wake up to what's happening, it's, it's not that there's a resistance to, there is a choice to move forward in new directions rather than fall back and fight against the things we don't like. And I, I'll just close it really quick. You know, Buckminster Fuller, before he, he died, I was a huge fan of his back in the 80s. Inventor of the geodesic don't. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's best known for. But there was one statement. You know, Georgia, you and I have, have talked a lot. I worked in the Cold War, uh, in the defense industry during the Cold War. And uh, I used to, to listen to Buckminster Fuller. And one of the, the statements that he made that stayed with me from the moment I heard it, he said, you'll never change the world by fighting against the things you don't like. He said, if you want a better world, find a new way that makes the old way obsolete. People will follow the new way, and the old way falls away. Now, I, I know there are times that we have to fight, but I also think there's a lot of truth in what Buckminster Fuller said. And if we can focus our energy on the beautiful, positive things 
that we now have available to us, rather than going to this low primal denominator that makes us hate one another and, and divides us as a society. If we can focus on the, the beautiful things that we know are possible in our lives, uh, I, I think this is going to be the answer, America's answer, to pushing back uh, against those those policies. So that's a long answer to a short question. Next up, west of the Rockies, Catherine's with us in British Columbia, Canada. Hello, Catherine. Hi, George. Hi, Greg. Hey, Catherine. I, Thanks I, for calling in. Oh, thank you. I I see I see all the negativity and all this stuff that tries to take our fear away. There's it's like a guy standing in front of us, and he's got his hand held out, and he's going here, take it, and it's fear. And we go okay, and we we say, but you got to take what we have. There's an exchange going on, and we hand over our hope. And I, I think fear will take our hope, strangle it, and that, that's what's going on. I, I um, don't give up hope. And I just wanted, just wanted your take on that. Thank you. Yeah, you know, there is – thank you very much, Catherine. There is a new science in psychology that is actually called hope theory, H-O-P-E, hope theory. And it's amazing because what it shows us, Catherine, is that hope is more than wishful thinking. There are two elements of hope. One of them is is a strategy, uh, and one of them is action. And in hope theory, there are ways to determine whether or not, you know, a lot of people have great strategies, but they don't know what to do to get there, or they, they know what to do to get there, but they, they don't really understand the, the big picture. So if we're serious about hope, there are ways to strengthen both uh, strategy and action. They're called pathways and agencies, and if you you haven't checked that, go go to my website. Uh, I've got a, a course called Radical Resilience, and we talk about hope theory a lot. But I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think there is a, a lot of reason to be hopeful. It's hard to it's hard for some people to cling to that when we are inundated with so much, so many reasons to be afraid. And this is where our divinity comes in. Once we understand the deep truth of who we are, then those things that are intended to frighten us no longer have the same effect. Greg, what do you think of modern religion? You know, I I just did a a conference. I just did an AI conference, George. I was a keynote speaker, and there was a proposal that AI rewrite religions. Oh, boy. To get it right, this is what they were saying, to correct all the mistakes and get it right. There are, um, I mean, what could possibly go wrong with that, right? (laughs) There are so many reasons why we don't want AI in in that realm. And I think, you know, George, religions play a powerful social role as well as a religious role. And they bring families and communities together. Uh, I may not be on board with the religions themselves. But I think the the role that they play in society to bring us together as families and communities, I think, is important. And they instill within us, there are some religions that I think are more honest than others. Some are based in fear. Some are based in, in love and hope. And any religion, I'll just say this, any religion that asks us to judge another person uh, and to to turn on those those individuals that think differently than we do. I'm, I'm very suspect of, of that kind of a religion. 
Next up, we've got Keith in Virginia. Hello, Keith. Go ahead. Hello there, George, and uh, thank you for your your show and guest tonight. Thank you. I heard you ask, uh, what is the purpose of life? And uh, I have concluded, I I guess I'd like to get some of the thoughts about uh, this comment and some others, but I've concluded it is to become like Jesus Christ. That would be being the best version of ourselves. And uh, he came to earth as sent by our eternal spirit father, him being our firstborn oldest brother, and came to earth and showed that it was possible. So that was given to us as an example. But he also gave us something else when, that is, I believe, the divinity that your uh, your guest spoke of. And I'm, and I'm sorry, I forgot your, your name. I was, His name's uh, Greg Braden. Greg, okay, thank you. And um, you could Google an article called The Light of Christ, and I think that um, sums up what I've heard from a lot of the guests that you have on your show about uh, intuition or this divinity or the this uh, uh, information network of the universe, and um, it it helps people with all kinds of things in their life pursuits of uh, either professions or other things that they do or just uh, you know other other work, but um, I believe the founding fathers who created the uh, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, I believe they were inspired by it. And so there are a lot of things like that. Um, a lot of people think that Christianity uh, was predated by other religions, but I believe the pre-mortal Jesus actually taught Adam and Eve and that was passed down to their descendants. And so we have a lot of things in throughout many religions that are, that are good and true. And, um, and Jesus taught perfect love cast without fear. And I would recommend that, that article, the light of Christ as well, because he also warned that at this, you know, there would be come a time when things got pretty bad, that if it were possible, even the very elect, would be deceived. No. Well, he's not wrong about that. What do you think of that, Greg? Well, this, we're certainly living a time of deception, and I think some of the deception is happening in in the religions themselves. Uh, I've spent a lot of time as as an adult studying Jesus as a man. Uh, what took me into the Middle East to to begin with, and as well as into Egypt and in Tibet where they have records of, of him studying during what we called the, the 18 lost years. They, they were lost because the, the church edited them out of, the, uh, of, of the, the text at the time. The Jesus as a man, I believe, demonstrated an extraordinary potential uh, that to, to show us, to remind us of what it means to be human, the religions that came along later, I don't think that he would agree with the religions that represent him today, uh, because so many of those religions are based in power and control and fear, just the opposite of what it was that uh, that, that he taught. So there's another aspect to this. You know, George, 
the best science of the modern world, and you and I actually did a program on this, uh, suggests the odds are greater that we are living in a virtual reality or a simulated yes. reality. As b- bizarre as it sounds, it could be. Well, well, the the news, the new studies. I mean, there are, are the, the first algorithm to test this was in 2001, Nick Bostrom. But more recent algorithms have refined this, and what they're saying is, I mean, the more tests they do, the more it looks like we're not really here. But when when we think of the role of Jesus within the context of a simulation. You know, in a simulation, people in the simulation are learning something in that simulation that they're going to need wherever it is they go after the simulation. And when we think of of the ability of an avatar or of, of a Jesus to show up in a simulation to remind us of who we are, to remind us of what our potential is, so close to the end of the cycle, uh, I, I think it begins to give us new language and new vocabulary for some very ancient ideas that uh, I think certainly are worth worth exploring. So to me, it all comes down to who are we, what is our potential, and why would we want to give our humanness away to technology when we are that technology we within the cells of our bodies? We perform every function of every piece of technological equipment in the world around us. Every cell in our body, transistors, resistors, capacitors, photon emission, photon transmission, blockchain technology, it's all in the cells of our bodies and our DNA. So I I think that if we can look at the example of the man Jesus without getting caught up in a lot of the dogma that has come along after his teachings, uh, I think they may they may go a long way in helping us to, to come to terms with our divinity. We're going to come back and take final calls with Greg Braden. His latest book is called The Wisdom Codes, which, as he mentioned, is available. His website is his name, gregbraden.com. So when we come back, we'll get to the rest of your calls as well. And welcome back, George Norrie, along with Greg Braden. Greg, I've asked other guests this question. If we're living in a matrix... Who's the creator of the Matrix? I don't know who the creator is, but when you ask the question, who benefits from being in a Matrix? It's the people that are having the experience of the Matrix. So, you know, if if you have a simulation, uh, you know, for a docking maneuver or, you know, to land on Mars or whatever it is, uh, the people in the simulation are learning something that they're going to need when they leave that simulation. I don't know what role we had in creating, but I think we, if we are in a simulated environment, that we're here by choice. Uh, we just don't know that we're here by choice. What if they erase the program? Well, you know, this is what the end of the cycles, really, the, the great resets are all about as, as a computer scientist. On looking at this on a massive scale, a system has to reset under certain conditions. Either it times out uh, or it runs out of, of memory, it runs out of space, uh, or it is designed to, to go through a cyclic reset at a, a certain period in time. So there are you know, religious traditions, the Torah, for example, uh, when it's reduced to mathematics, to, to the numbers, that represent the the letters of of the Torah, 
that appears to be a map of all the potentials that can happen, that can unfold within within this cycle. And all of them say that we are learning, that we have choice, and that uh, that we come to a close of this, not the end of the world, but the end of the cycle. And by definition, that's the beginning of what comes next. And let's go to final calls. Cornelius in Alexandria, Louisiana. Hello there, Mr. White. Hey there, George and Greg. I hope everybody had a happy and blessed Thanksgiving. I know I did. I got three dinners, so I'm like Brian. I just about gained 15 or 20 pounds. So, Greg, I'm glad you're on here. You're saying some righteous stuff. But they call me the God, Guns, and Gold Man, the Bible Bullets and Beans Man. And with everything going on in the world, I read Revelation and stuff and the Mark of the Beast is coming, and you were talking about the World Economic Forum. Yes, they're going to force us into taking uh, a chip in the head or a chip in the hand, and you can see it coming along, whether it's two years along, five years, or ten years, it's coming. And it's almost like the Borg. The resistance is futile, but we must resist. Now, you were talking about Christ just being born and lost for 18 years. Christ knew everything because he started out with his father in the beginning. So the three were the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. They started everything. They began everything. We're not in no simulated thing or anything like that. There is a physical world and a spiritual world, and that's the two different worlds. But like I tell everybody, people just need to get ready. The last Trump was Trump. If Hillary Clinton had gotten in there, we would have been locked down forever with this virus. This was a pandemic. It wasn't no pandemic. They've been planning this for years. And I hope people will wake up, George. I'm glad you tell them to get that burner gun and stuff like that. And I don't think we're headed for a revolutionary war or a civil war, but they want us into like a race war because they're making us hate each other and all like that. But there's some things we need to hate, Greg, and that's evil. George knows I was raped. I've been through racism and stuff. And you've got to hate evil, Greg. That's the only way you can fight evil. I'm, I'm, that I'm gonna, is- I'm gonna, let me tell you why I'm going to disagree with you. And this is a fundamental principle of what we're talking about. And I'm so happy, Cornelius, that you brought this up. There are times when we have to fight. The question is, what do we allow that fight to make us into? Do we fight because of the love of what we know is possible, or do we allow the fight to reduce us to the lowest primal denominator of that hate? And if we allow ourselves to descend into hate, we have given in to that evil. And I hope that makes sense, brother, when I say it to you that way. Well said, Greg. Well said. Are you hopeful, Greg, for all of this? I am. I'm very hopeful, George, and I I think it's why we're here. I think uh, this is this has been going on for a very very long time. There's there's so many layers, and it's it's so easy to get sucked into a layer in politics or a layer of, you know, uh, climate change or whatever. And, and the thing is, George, they're all real. They're all happening. They all need to be talked about. But I think we need to be aware and we need to recognize. When are these topics being weaponized when you were to divide us rather than being used uh, to give us the opportunity to 
to bring us together as families and communities and society? When when are we allowing ourselves to be driven apart? And I think what's happening, what we see happening in Israel is, is a perfect example. I have friends, well, I had friends <laughs> until we have this conversation, that are are so driven into a preconceived idea of what should and should not happen to the exclusion. They're blinded by their hate. And all we have to do, George, I, I believe there are times we need to fight, and we all know that. We all have a warrior within us. And some people say it's splitting hairs, because if you fight, you fight. And that may be true on one level, but on a deeply spiritual level, when all this is said and done, what have we become in the presence of what life has brought to our doorstep? And I think that is a question we all have to ask ourselves in the presence of what we're being shown in the world today. We're taking final calls with Greg Braden. Let's go to Michael in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Michael. Hey there, guys. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Hey, Michael, you're you're my neighbor to the south. I'm just up north of you tonight. Oh, okay, in the square seat. B- uh, pardon me. In the square seat, Colorado. No, I'm uh, I'm just uh, south and west of Santa Fe right now. Oh, okay. So we're right in the same barrier. So just yep. get to the topic at hand. You know, I remember listening to the show with my father a long time ago, and back in those days, you used to have to walk to the library, dial onto the internet. And now, all these kids, they have the internet in the palm of their hands. Yep. As far as what that technocracy does to them, it exposes them to a level of control. And that control that is promulgated through a certain group of people has kind of poisoned them in some aspect. Now, I think of my grandfather in his day and age. He didn't have the accessibility to information that we do nowadays. And I feel like this technology was supposed to be promised to us as a evolution going forward into the world. But what it has done is de-evoluted us, if that makes sense. What do you if think of that, Greg? Can, if, if, if we allow it to, it can, Michael. And I think this is one of the places where, where this generation, our generation, has let down the generation of young people because all they know is what they were born into. They need the guidance of a generation that remembers the time before we had this technology so that we can use it as a tool that it was intended, not the crutch and not the control mechanism. I agree with what you're saying. It's being used as a control mechanism because no one is guiding our young people to understand how to think for themselves and to understand how to discern. And I'm going to use that that word intentionally. It's not about judging. It's about discerning information and where does your information come from. So, you know, I'm a scientist, and technology is not good, bad, right, or wrong. It's the thinking uh, that underlies how it's applied. So the Internet is an amazing, beautiful, powerful tool, and if we allow it to control us, if we allow it to become a crutch, it can be our worst nightmare. And I think you're seeing that unfold in some segments of our society. Let's go to James in Virginia. Hey, James, go ahead. Hi, George. Hey, uh, Greg. Hey, uh, George, uh, can I say my book? I always ask if I can before I, before I do it. Is that okay? Why don't you mention when people can get it, too? 
Well, it's on Amazon and Barnes Noble, but I just updated it uh, the cover because it's got a lot more in it than what the original title is. It, it has us prepared for the end of days. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me write the book. It's called Blessed, Blessed with It's Blessed with an Angel and a Rainbow, and it talks about the recent signs of the rapture uh, coming. And uh, Gregory, I, I, I appreciate. In a way, you are warning people about uh, this AI and that and possibly the mark of the beast, like Cornelius was saying. We, we're all fearful of that. Uh, we're told not to take the mark of the beast in the right hand or the forehand or God can't take us. Now, we don't know what that is for sure because it has to do with worshiping, too, the worshiping the Antichrist, apparently. But you're ignoring you're, – you're, you're, saying, you're, you're, you're saying what Christians would say about – about the warning of that with with the uh, maybe mixture of um, man and machine or whatever, but then you take that and then you ignore everything else about Jesus except that he was a great teacher and all that, and and you John three sixteen and uh, one of the most quoted one for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So all the people like yourself that take all these religions and try to boil them down to one common thing, to mankind. Well, let's give them a chance to react to that. Go ahead, Greg. Well, so here's, here's the, the whole point. Our bodies were given to us. If, if you subscribe to everything that, that the religions, and now we're talking about Christianity or, or Judeo-Christian traditions, our bodies were given to us by the designer, by the architect, by God. And it is the desecration of the body through technology is what we're talking about. When we allow ourselves to, to be compromised by technology, how, how much of our humanness will we give away to the, to the technology around us, to the AI implants and the computer chips, chemicals in our blood, sensors under our skin? Now, there, there are places, George, and there, you know, there are always exceptions. There are places where the technology can be a beautiful thing for someone, our wounded warriors that have lost parts of their bodies in, in battle. And that's where a lot of this technology began. But to, to embrace it recreationally or to call it an evolutionary step to, to replace us with the machines, with the technology, with the transhuman uh, movement, I think this is is what these scriptures are talking about. We're talking about scriptures that were written 2,000 years ago, and now we're trying to implement them in in a world uh, in in a world of science. That, uh, I th- that I think they're talking about the same thing. They're using very very different languages. So when we honor the temple of the human body, <clears throat> when we embrace our humanness and our divinity rather than giving ourselves away to the technology. And that's, you know, where the mark of the beast and all these other things mm-hmm. are, are coming in. Uh, I, I think we're, I think we're having the same conversation. I think we're on the, exactly the same page. Uh, Jesus, if we are, if we believe what was written in the traditions and, and those traditions have been modified and edited over time, that's why I like to go back to the original text. He lived a life, and he demonstrated the potential then, and he said very clearly uh, that this is a potential for everyone, and he was showing us what our possibilities are, what our potentials are. Uh, I think that's the message that, that we really can bring home 
you know, in, in a meaningful way in our lives right now. Greg, in the final two minutes, what words of wisdom do you have for all of us? You know, George, I, I, I just want to thank everyone for everything they're doing to, to live the best version of themselves. I want to encourage people not to be fearful uh, and not to, to be, not to have lost hope because we're living a time when all possibilities are up for us and we have to choose. We've got to find the emotional anchor. We've got to find the spiritual compass that tells us exactly who we are so that we can navigate through this this little window of time and do it in a really healthy way. And community is part of that. We need one another, George. And the community that you've you've created with Coast to Coast AM is such a, a, a powerful part of, of our community. I just want to thank you. And I know you got a great team working behind you. I've known some of them for years. So yeah. I think that's the thing. Just don't lose lose hope. But that hope is based in something that's real and true. And that real truth is the extraordinary potential of what it means to be human and the divinity that comes with our humanness. Greg, do you take emails through your website? Lots of people are sending me messages about that. Sure. Uh, it, they go to my 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 team, my office uh, manager. It's at Greg Braden. Well, info at gregbraden.com. Super. Greg, thanks again. Keep in touch, all right? Thanks so much. Have a beautiful evening. Take- Greg Braden, up next. Michael Brown joins us as we talk about future events, a prophecy of coming times. Stand by for that on Coast to Coast AM. 